0: Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about the Mi'kmaq people and the Halibut First Nation. I'm Glenn Wheeler. The Bi'othic shared what is now known as Newfoundland with the Mi'kmaq people. Biotic blood may flow in the blood of Mi'kmaq people, some people think. And now the remains of Demasdawit and Nona Sabasit are on their way back from Scotland, where they've been in storage for 200 years. Demasdawit was kidnapped by settlers in 1819. Nona Sabasit was killed trying to rescue her. The remains were sent overseas by William Cormac. But where is home? The rooms in St. John's has been proposed as the final resting site, but would putting the remains on display far away from their land be the dignified thing to do? Would it not be better to lay them to rest on their land somewhere near the exploits river? Those are the questions waiting for us. Scott Sims is the MP for of Bay's Central Notre Dame, which includes traditional biothic territory. I asked him about the complicated process for the return of human remains and about the perhaps even more difficult decisions to be made once we have them back.
1: Lately, there's been attention on the return of human remains as a, a big part of reconciliation, uh, not just here in Canada, but also around the world. And with the Indigenous rights being entrenched through the United Nations, uh, it is incumbent upon us to seek out, Not not so much artifacts, but obviously human human remains uh, and the repatriation thereof. So when we contacted Scotland uh, some time ago about doing this, they they researched it, they looked into how it was possible. Uh, Originally, there was a letter from the Premier of Newfoundland and Labrador uh, officially requesting. But of course, when you deal with this sort of thing between nations, it has to be between nations. So we had to go to uh, the government of Canada through the department of canadian heritage and by extension we have to deal with the canadian museum of history so the canadian museum of history um, on behalf of the government of canada will accept the remains and then we work to uh, transfer the remains from the federal government to the provincial government and then What we do then is still uh, we're discussing where we go from there.
2: And how are you involved as MP? Obviously, uh, you're an MP for the area where the Othic territory, we may call it. Um, Is that that your involvement?
1: For me, it started many over 10 years ago when we started putting up plaques for – there are basically three very important Othic individuals. There's Nada who and his wife, Demazduit. Uh, she was uh, later captured during the incident, her husband, uh, not a citizen, was, was murdered and Demasdewit was captured uh, by uh, the settlers there and she was renamed Mary March um, in a very crude way. What they did was they gave her an English name and her last name was the month that she was captured in. It, it was a common practice that they would do that. And so. There was, but I mean, I, obviously now I I call her Demaz DeWitt, which is her real name, and those are the two individuals whose remains that we are repatriating. The other one is their niece. It was Shannon Didit, and Shannon Didit was the last known Beothic to survive. She died in 1829 uh, in St. John's. So, we were putting plaques up for these three individuals, uh, commemorating the life of Shannon Didit, who had a lot to give. Basically, she told us the most about biopic culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, and also, she told the story of her aunt and uncle who were captured and uh, uh, not a sister who was murdered, her uncle. When we were putting up these plaques, I was we were doing the research, we were talking about their lives, how they lived off the land, how they lived um, in and around the coast of Newfoundland re- during the winter retreating back to the interior of Newfoundland around Red Indian Lake and in doing so I discovered to my amazement that their remains which I thought were buried uh, near Red Indian Lake um, or certainly for Nana uh, uh, non who was murdered there I thought they were there but apparently they had been taken by Cormac the explorer back towards Scotland. Now, William Cormac was a strong academic, so there's been some discussion of why would he do that, and I guess what he wanted to do is he wanted to take it back to his home of Scotland uh, for study. I don't think it was any more nefarious than that, just for the sake of the study, um, although the fact that he didn't have a plan to return them uh, was disappointing. Nevertheless, there they were for 200 years. And I was fascinated by this. I had no idea. Then I had come to discover that not only were they there, but they, were kept in a, they weren't kept They were really on display. They were put in the back room. I then met uh, Chief Michelle Joe of uh, Con River, uh, Malbiki First Nation. And that is in the south of Newfoundland, and it's uh, the only land reserve we have on, on the island. And he... Mentioned to me he was traveling to Scotland to do a, a ceremony with the remains, which inspired me a hundredfold beyond what I had already known. And when he was telling me this and how he would do it and how he would uh, speak to the university or to, to the museum, rather, I th- he said to me, he said, well, my goal is to bring the remains home, which to me sounded okay. That makes sense. So why hasn't this been done? So now we're looking at, we're I mean, in a few years, it would be 200 years.
2: What do you think uh, it's taken this long?
1: Well, I think partly, we're partly to blame because we never really had a movement to get it going. So like I was just saying, like, when when there were two things that crossed my mind at the time, two emotions I had, which was number one, this is exciting that we can bring these remains back to to their own homeland uh, and the unceded territory that of which they belong to. But also, I was shocked, surprised, like, how has this gone on so long? Mm. And we just never made the request or never thought of doing this. And, you know, for me, there was a question around 2009, 2010, as we got into 2011, 12, and I I had more discussions with uh, Chief Joe, I realized, you know, we really need to make a special effort. So we made requests to our own government, and then when I saw the U- within the UN Declaration of the Rights of the Indigenous, there is a section in there that talks about the repatriation of human remains. And I thought, this is it. This, this, this is it right here. It's in black and white. The, the leaders of the world acknowledge that the remains that uh, are there that, and they're not, you know, buried in their homeland, they need to return. They need to return, and we need to do this in a very respectful way. So which now that we have assurances that they're coming to Newfoundland and Labrador, now we have to have the discussion with the five indigenous stakeholders in Newfoundland and Labrador. We also have that conversation with the Newfoundland and Labrador government and historians and people of the university who are experts on this to, to commemorate the remains in the most respectful manner that we can.
2: And I, and I suppose the first uh, question there is how exactly will we take them back? Obviously, it'll be, it'll be in a plane somehow from Scotland to to Canada, but um, will there be some, some ceremony?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. That, that's what, my request. Do
2: you have any sense yet of what that would look like?
1: Well, this is a conversation I've had with Chief Joe. Um, Chief Joe is hoping to be there when the remains are transferred. So we're working on that right now to see how chief Joe can be involved. Uh, And once that is done, then we have to see how we're going to transfer from the government of Canada back to Newfoundland and Labrador. And, And as chief Joe said, I mean, he wants to make this a provincial issue because, you know, for the, for all, for most of the time that those remains were over there, Newfoundland and Labrador was well, we were the dominion of Newfoundland. So it's, it's really something. I mean, we, we we learn about it in schools, about the legend of the Beothic, the story of the Beothic. Um, most kids know how they, uh, you know, they were called the, the people of the red ochre because they would put red ochre uh, on their skin and to identify themselves. The birch bark canoe is, you know, we, we know all about that. So it's really, it's not like the Beothic is something that, we have to teach our kids about. I think for me, the role, the goal here about repatriation of the remains is to reintroduce to our kids what the Biotic uh, is truly about to get a deeper understanding than the, than the knowledge that we currently have, which is really just scratching the surface.
2: Now, you mentioned um, the five Indigenous stakeholders in Newfoundland. So you're talking about um, the two Mi'kmaq bands, uh, the Inu, the Inuit. And um, and who else, uh, who
1: Nun do of it, which is the, the, the laboratory Métis group.
2: How would that discussion take place? Uh, do you think? Um, uh, you know, obviously not, you know, everyone, ha- you know, has the same point of view. So uh, how what do you see as the process for discussion and decision making when the stakeholders got together? And would that be determinative? Uh, would that settle the matter once uh, whatever came out of that?
1: The second part of the question, I'm not sure how what will be settled, but I do my only advice to all people involved would be uh, let's do this in the most respectful way that we know that honors the biotic. I guess you my, How would they do this? You know, I mean, they, they're not here any longer for us to ask directly for obviously. But is there a way that we can do this that would respect them and their, their and their ancestors? when they were here so it's it, it certainly is it's a spiritual engagement that all of us have that they, not just the five indigenous groups but for all newfoundlanders and labradorians we have to explore how spiritually this would be in in the best way to commemorate um what the biothic represented as as our own history yes so i i, I wouldn't want to presuppose anything at at, at this point point, Glenn. so i but only to say that we need to involve um, whoever wants to be involved, but by the same token, we also have to involve people who are going to make a real contribution to this. And those five five stakeholder groups that I just mentioned and the province, it's, it's a large discussion and there's a lot to talk about because we've been so focused on – Nothing happens unless these remains return to its homeland.
2: And, and of course, the, we've already got some, uh, I guess, preview of what of one decision to be made, which is where the remains will rest. And we have uh, Durham from from Buckens, which is on Ring Lake, Beothic Territory, saying that will be the appropriate place. Other people saying it's the rooms in, in St. John's.
1: Um, yeah. There's also um, the town of Botwood. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is probably about an hour's drive from down the Exploits River, which the Beothic used extensively. Mm-hmm. I myself, I live on the Exploits River, but uh, the, the Botwood was the town where DeMazdewit passed away. Mm-hmm. If you recall, she was captured and, and taken out of Red Indian Lake, but she was returned there after, her, after she was deceased, but she died in Botwood. So they also have a claim. Uh, the town of Millertown um, you know Mayor Humber uh, she, they, they have a stake in this as well it was actually near the town of Millertown where we did the most recent dedication uh, to both uh, Demasdawit and Basusit, uh in that area that was with Parks Canada yeah. and that was several years ago.
2: As between one of those places in Biathic Territory and the rooms, uh, do you have any view about that um, a museum as opposed to territory as the, the final resting place?
1: Yeah, as I mentioned before, I don't want to presuppose anything, but in, in saying that now, I'm going to presuppose something. Uh, I, I personally, I, I don't being on display doesn't make me feel very comfortable. But uh, by the same token, if the vast majority feel that's within, that's the way it should be, then I, I. I, I I'd be reticent to say yes, but nevertheless, if that's the way it's going, I again, how does one honor uh, the memory of these two individuals who who suffered so greatly at the end of their life that that we are to presuppose that they are to be there for everyone to see? I, I, I just, I don't know. I, I have a struggle with that one.
2: It's difficult because I guess the other thing we had to take into account is that is um... – you know, if they're not at the rooms and they're <clears throat> in one of these um, other locations, we have an issue of security.
1: Yeah, that, that is true. That, that's a deep consideration involved in that as well. And it's not just the rooms either. There are also two other institutions that honor the memory of the Beothic. One would be the Beothic Interpretation Center, which is in Boyd's Cove that um, which is between Lewisport and Twillingate it it's an area that they've discovered where the Beothic set up camp quite a bit and it basically it's it's an area where you transition from the um, inland river areas out towards the ocean so it's just on the edge of the ocean the other place is in the town of Grand Falls Windsor which is the largest town in the area and that's called the Mary March Museum mm-hmm. named after Demasuit yes so yeah. that they're there are several. So, already, as you can tell, even by this conversation alone, there are so many avenues by which we have to explore.
2: Now, let me ask you, uh, lastly, about um, the impact of this process on uh, Newfoundland and our discussion about the biotic. Obviously, it's a good thing that the remains are, are coming back, but. Do you see that it also there is also a sort of um what we might call a potential traumatic aspect to it because it comes makes us come face to face with what happened to the biotic, and uh, it might be um, a difficult process as well as a uh, positive process
1: extremely um there is a there is an education about who they were wa- who they were, how we celebrate how they lived along the land um and there's also the story of how a, a, a people no longer exist um, through the actions of, obviously, through the actions of the settlers there. Um, how they how they lived with other tribes in the area, uh, with other settlements, people of other races. There, um, there's also the issue of disease, which many of them died of. Uh, Shannon did it, the last known biothic died of tuberculosis, so yes. um, it's, that too has to be uh, explored, so uh, there, there, you know, there's, there's an illumination and a celebration of who they were, but there's also a commemoration and an acknowledgement of, of how they suffered, and as a result we all suffered as a people.
0: Scott Sims is the MP for Costa Bays Central Notre Dame. Before we go, we honour Elder Calvin White on being named to the Order of Canada. According to the official citation, Elder White is honoured for his vital role in the preservation and revival of Indigenous culture in Newfoundland and Labrador, and for his sustained leadership and mentorship within the Halibut Mi'kmaq First Nation. Our sincere congratulations to Elder Calvin White. Alison Baker is the technical producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Celebration time used with the permission of Mi'kmaq artist Marcus Goss. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Listen to Mi'kmaq Matters on Bay of Islands Radio and Norris on Rocky Harbor. Tune in on the Voice of Bombay and in St. John's. Catch us on CHMR. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.